What's up, everybody? Welcome to First Wednesday. Wow, all right. I said welcome to First Wednesday. And we are uh, excited to be here. And I want to invite you to go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to jump straight in. If this is your first First Wednesday with us, welcome. It is not the same as Sundays. So I just want to let you know, and go ahead and like ruin your expectations for a second. So if like you've been here and you're like, oh man, I've been waiting for a Sunday. Sorry, this is not, okay, that's not happening. So um, I pray it's going to be just as powerful. But what we aim to do, what we're aiming to do tonight, First Wednesday, what we're aiming to do with all of our First Wednesdays, is this kind of what we call a family night. So if you look around, you're probably looking at family, some people you recognize. Um, and so First Wednesdays is where we aim to do a bit more heavy lifting in regards to the Bible. Okay, so um, for, so Sundays for us may be a quite a bit more topical. We're going to move through. And so I have set a lofty goal for tonight, okay? You ready to hear my lofty goal? Only four of us. I said, you guys ready to hear my lofty goal? We're going to attempt through the hand of a sovereign Lord to go all the way through Acts chapter 2 tonight, okay? So uh, let's, we're going we're gonna to see <laughs> Everyone that knows Acts chapter 2 was the ones laughing, okay? Everyone else was the one cheering, okay? So, uh, but let's, let's do some work. Um, so here, here's where I think we find ourselves as Christians, okay? Um, so to be clear, I think we find ourselves uh, as Christians uh, in the consistent, if not constant, desire in our hearts that we would build a life that means nothing. So in each one of us is uh, ambition and pursuit and desires and hungers to go after a life that in the end will go down in flames like the rest of the world. Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about what we work our whole life trying to obtain. So to be clear, I want to help you wrestle out something, and I, want to, I mean this in the most gracious and loving way possible. Okay, you're ready? So I'm just going to, I want to encourage you with these words. Everything in your life means nothing. Be encouraged in Jesus' name. Okay, so uh, everything in your life means nothing. Uh, And so what is it that we're supposed to do with our lives? If it all means nothing, what do we do with our lives? And and, uh, to be fair, that was a polarizing statement intentionally. There are some things in our life that we do need to do something with. There are some relationships in our life that we are cultivating for the sake of God using them, that we would lead them to Christ, that we would disciple them, and they would be in heaven for eternity with us. But oftentimes, the place that we find ourselves is striving after, building, and pursuing things that ultimately will burn with the rest of the world. So my goal tonight is to show you a few things and how we can change that for ourselves. Because what is happening in our church, uh, and I know we have some friends here from other churches, and so I'm going to reference our church quite a few times, and I pray that uh, maybe it's happening elsewhere, but I'm only referencing our house right now. What is happening in our church is a spiritual awakening and a supernatural miracle. I sat down with two pastors this past week, uh, and uh, they told me, they, have, they are four months into a 14-month transition, and the only goal for the next 14 months is to make sure that every person in their church ends up in another church before they close their doors permanently. Barna study just showed that 20% of churches in our country will shut their doors in 2021 and never open them again. And so I think God is doing two things. One, I think he is purging the church of churches who have never intended to preach a pure gospel. And I think secondly, he is uh, establishing a body of Christ uh, that can move together in unity uh, and striving uh, to reach something that matters. And so 
uh, we are not the greatest church, but I think we're a great church. And I don't think it's built on our back. I think it's built on God's back, and it's because of you amazing people. So turn to the person next to you and say, you look good. Okay, so look at you. You guys are just here, and I love you. Look at you. you know. Joy, 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 joy. Okay, so, so I, we're going to take a journey over the next several months. We're actually going to move through the book of Acts over the next several months. That's a goal that we're going to have in several months, meaning God knows how long. Okay, so to do that. We need to look at a promise that was made by the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. So um, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2 in your Bible. I'm going to read something out of Joel chapter 2. Because this is what the prophet Joel says. He says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Don't read too much of that moon to blood thing. Some people have gotten weird with it over the years. Okay, so just skim over that. That's not where we're at. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a beautiful moment. And so I want to take you to Acts chapter 2. And uh, as we open up with Acts chapter 2, I want to explain to you what's happening right now. So we're, we're on the day of Pentecost. Now, for all my Baptist brothers and sisters, it's not the Pentecost you think of, okay? So don't freak out for a second, all right? So it's not the hoot and the holler and the scream and the dance and the flags and the laying and the tongues and the thing, okay? That's not what we're dealing with right here, all right? So sigh of relief. It's all okay, all right? So not to pick on my Baptist brothers and sisters, Lutherans too. Okay, so anyways... But, so Pentecost, to to catch you up, all right, for some of you this means nothing, but I want you to have this information. It was the Feast of the First Fruits, so it was an appropriate time. So so what we're going to read in the books, in in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is going to fall in Acts chapter 2, and some great things are going to happen, just to clear you up. I'm catching up some of you that you just don't even know this, like... I had a lady ask me recently, why why are there names after the scriptures on the screen? And I said, that's the people that usually wrote it. And she said, oh, I thought God wrote it. And I said, honey, this is not the time for that conversation. (laughs) Set up a meeting with me this week, okay? So for those of you that maybe you don't know this story, uh, I'm catching you up. So uh, there's a feast of first fruits. They called it Pentecost, okay? So that's what's happening in Acts chapter 2. That's the day in which all of this is taking place. Now, I do find it interesting because uh, first fruits, the day of first fruits or Pentecost, was an appropriate time for the Spirit to come. Because it was closely connected with Passover. And again, stay with me. Because just as the Spirit's coming would be associated with saving events of the Lord's crucifixion and exaltation and all those things, the feast celebrated the first produce of the promised land, which was Israel's inheritance. So to catch you up, Israel comes into their promised land. They give a great feast to celebrate their first fruits that had grown in the land. Makes sense? So first fruits had grown. They're celebrating that by giving them as an offering, right? And so it would make sense. And in the same way, because I'm uh, really big on contextualization, uh, in the same way, the Spirit of God, which we're about to read about in Acts chapter 2, is the first fruits of our salvation as the believer, And so what we're about to read is the joining of the Old and New Testament meeting in a powerful way, and then the Holy Spirit falls. So let's let's go to work. All right, Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read 2 through 4, and then we're going to keep working. When the day of Pentecost arrived, 
They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house, the entire house, where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Now, I want to catch you up on what's happening right now because it's beautiful. First of all, I, I think that the greatest miracle in the upper room wasn't that they spoke in tongues. It was that they were all in one accord. And I'm not talking about a Honda. I'm talking about like they were all together at one time with one mind in one spirit praying the same thing for their house. Being the nation of Israel at that time. But like they were, they were all together. The greatest miracle, like that was dope. But can you imagine more than three people getting in a room and agreeing on everything at one time? And if you grew up in church, you're like, that's impossible. I don't believe it. I got the ark and the animals two by two. I'm with you on that, but that part's impossible, right? Like, so what, what I think is just amazing, and, and, and for some of you, uh, we have had to have conversations with you about guarding culture at TC. And, and one of the things we're big about in our church, if you're new, is culture. We believe that culture is one of the most important things outside of the Holy Spirit and the gospel that we talk about and live out here in these walls. And, and for some people, they've, they've wondered, why do you take that so seriously? I've had other pastors of other churches say, why do you take that so seriously? I said, because before the Spirit fell in the upper room, everybody was on the same page. And if we want to see God do amazing things in the house, we got to make sure that the house is on the same page. And so together, they were in one accord, one mind, one spirit. And then Acts uh, 2, verse 2, so what we have is this rushing wind shows up. This, this sound, where this wind tunnels through the whole place. So much so we're going to read in a few scriptures uh, later that it, the people outside the room heard it. Like, so it wasn't just that it heard in the room. It was this loud, rushing wind. In, old, uh, in the Old Testament, this type of sound oftentimes accompanied what they call a theophany, which is God manifesting himself to humankind literally. So him literally showing up in front of humans. So you guys, some of you may remember Moses with the burning bush and, and some of those moments where God literally showed up and showed himself in a various form to mankind. So, so uh, in the Old Testament, this sound was not uncommon for God to show up in front of man. And so he shows up and then Acts 2 uh, verse 3, tongues of fire. And from that moment until today, churches hadn't figured that part out yet. It's like, well, are we supposed to speak in tongues? Do we not speak in tongues? Is English a tongue? Because we got some people speaking in tongues that can't speak about Jesus in English, but they can talk in other tongues, and we got to sort that whole thing out. Um, because I don't think the Holy Spirit speaks uh, gossip and bitterness and anger and frustration in English, but then shows up in powerful ways on Sunday and manifests himself in Pentecostal churches in ways that wouldn't then suggest that the character is not united with the other. And so I just think that maybe we should sort through that. But In Jesus' name. But I want you to grab a hold of what was happening there. All jokes aside. As the spirit descended upon them in the upper room, they were experiencing an outward manifestation that would create or cause an inward expression and response. So there was something happening on the outside that was now doing something on the inside. 
Some would call this a, a, a second baptism. I'm not suggesting you give it that title, but there, there was a second thing that happened. Uh, and up until this point, it had been the gospel and the gospel and the gospel and the word and the word and the word. And now, now what Jesus promised, what, what, what the prophet promised is now coming to pass. And they're experiencing this. And so uh, here they are in, in which the Holy Spirit does an inward submersion, a covering, a, a remaking uh, in the way that baptism showcases it outwardly. This is the identifying moment for the, for the disciples in which they're experiencing the Holy Spirit the way he had been promised to come up until this point. And so now they're speaking in another language. So to be clear. The uh, Holy Spirit fell on them uh, like of fire, and we're not going to get into what that means, mainly because people way smarter than us have argued about it for way longer than we're going to sit here. So I'm not going to try to work it through with you guys. They start speaking in another language, all right? And that's where we pick up in verse 4. They are speaking in other languages as the Spirit was giving them utterance. utterance. Let's move down to verses 5 and 6, and we're going to pick up and read a few Scriptures. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. I want to revisit something for you. Remember how we talked about that this was the festival of feasts, the Pentecost? So this would have been a moment where all of the Jews from all of the aspects of the world would have gathered together for this thing. Now isn't it like God to wait until the whole world's watching to put himself on display. So they're gathered, and at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Now, then, they go. so to be clear, we've got people outside the room that speak all different languages. So some are from Asia, some are from these parts. They literally, over the next few verses, goes in and lists all the places that each one of these are from. And as he starts listing where all of them are from, he starts rec- he, what they're doing is acknowledging these are all different languages that are represented here. And he says, all of us hear them speaking in our language, but they don't speak our language. And so the Holy Spirit in that moment was giving them a language that they were speaking, and they were speaking it in the language of the men outside the room. So they're hearing it in their language, but they don't speak that language. He goes on to list all of the cities. I'm not going to list all of those. I'm going to invite you to jump down to verse 11, uh, mainly because I don't want to pronounce all those names. So uh, both Jews, <laughs> proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians, uh, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So it's not just that they're being communicated to, but God is being declared in a language that they shouldn't be able to speak to a people group that cha- they shouldn't be able to hear. And let's keep going. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. In other words, those dudes are hammered right now. That's what they were thinking. And Peter comes back, and he's like, yo, it's only the third hour. And they're like, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. You know what I mean? And so, like, but, so, <laughs> so we go to the tribes and the tongues, and they begin to speak. And I want to invite you to verse 14 because that's my next stopping point. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men 
of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Now I want to pause right there because I just think that this is fantastic. So to catch you up, Peter gets up to speak. Now if you don't know your Bible, well, that's fine. I want to catch you up on something about Peter. This dude is a straight knucklehead. So like if there was ever an inappropriate time to say something, Peter's going to be the one that does it. So if there was ever uh, an inappropriate thing to say, Peter's probably going to be the one to do it. If there's ever an ear that needs to be surgically removed... Peter's probably going to be the one. Like, so to, to be clear, Peter the knucklehead. Peter the one that's always talking more than he should, right? So, uh, again, a moment where Jesus is like, hey, one of y'all is going to betray me. And Peter's like, nah, nope, nope, not me. One of them clowns, not this guy. The next day, he denies him three times. So Peter, the one that's always talking, we're talking about fire-ready aim, Peter. Okay, so like, bam, did I get him? Tight. That's, that's the Peter we're talking about. Peter, who Jesus is always like, gosh, bro, would you just shut up for a second? Like, just, just stop. That's the Peter we're talking about. Peter, who popped off at the mouth multiple times, and these are just the ones we read about. I just know for a fact that Peter was like, if they had a podcast, they're like, yo, edit that out, dog. Peter was talking. Just, just like... They had a YouTube channel. Peter's like, how come y'all don't ever put me on an episode, man? They're like, listen, dog, like, we can't use half of it. We just, you know, like, so we just figured, you know, we might as well just leave you out. So it's Jesus and the 11 from now on. Okay, so, uh, and even that even dropped to 10. It was crazy. So, all right, but, so, popping off the mouth multiple times. Peter, whose courage to run his mouth always got him in trouble. But I actually think that this is beautiful. Because that was the same Peter who, without hesitation, used the same courage, popped off at the same mouth again, who fired without readying or aiming, speaking when nobody else had the courage to give this message. And I think that there's power here because when you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit and surrendered to him, God will use the thing about you to do the thing that in his time, at the right time, would bring glory to himself. You see, the cautious, mild-tempered, evenly balanced perfectionists weren't talking. The ones that were like, okay, I need to gather my thoughts and make sure, you know what I mean, I need to create a homiletical, like, master outline of, like, how I'm going to preach this message. Those dudes were saying in the back. The ones that needed it to be polished weren't speaking up. And I really want some of you to grab a hold of this tonight because you think you're disqualified because your personality doesn't make room for your gift. And, and God is here trying to let you know that if it, if it had been waiting for the perfectionist, the message would have never been delivered. The same Peter who was always talking too much, God used him to talk too much. And it required the person with the courage to be aggravating and kind of be in your face a little bit and almost be borderline obnoxious. It took that person to deliver that message on that day because the rest of them weren't standing up. And I, I want to encourage for some of you, you think that your gift is not making room, or we're, they're not making room for your gift because of your personality. I'm here to tell you that that's not how God works. God will find great joy in showcasing you to bring glory to himself, because that's what our God does. 
And so for some of you, you're navigating and you're working through that. And I'm here to tell you, man, God can use you if you'll let yourself be used. But the thing is, and I want you to grab a hold of this if you're taking notes, but you got to get up. Peter got up. I don't know, God. I just, there's some of this I'm still working through. I'm not perfect yet. It's like, brother, just follow me for a day. Okay, I'll show you who's not perfect. All right. So uh, Eli laughed. He lives with me. So he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like, none of us are there yet. And so I just want to encourage you, my hope in this part of the passage to help you recognize that it took the loud mouth to be loud so that the people heard the message. It took the courageous one that sometimes stumbled over himself to be the one to speak. You have to get up and you have to speak. Tell your story. Let the people around you, listen, the beauty about telling people about God is if you know a little bit, you know more than most of them. It's like you don't have to be intimidated by that. And if they ask you questions, you know what my favorite response is? And my pipeline students will find this funny. You know what my favorite response is? People are like, but what about dinosaurs? I'm like, that's a great question. Can we back to the gospel now? Like, how about sin and, like, shame and death and resurrection and faith and hope, heaven, right? Like, so my encouragement to you is to navigate and walk, pursue, get up, speak out, and let your life be a light that shines for the gospel so that people can see that what God is doing in you, it's all available to them too, okay? So Peter gets up to speak. And in uh, Acts chapter 17 through 21, we actually see him quote the same scripture we read out of Joel earlier. We're going to read it again. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we have this space where Peter gets up and he's proclaiming to the people outside this truth. But the beauty behind what he's saying is he's actually declaring the same truth that they've already known and learned throughout all of their years. It's part of their heritage. It's built into who they are. So he's not bringing to them something new. He's actually bringing to them something old. He, they're just, he's helping them see it in a new way. And so he comes on the scene and then Acts 22, uh, two, 22 through 35, uh, he identifies Christ through the lens that may they see him through, which is the Old Testament, all right? So um, I want to kind of unpack that for a second because uh, as he's talking to Jews about the Old Testament, he's using what they know to introduce them to the God that they didn't even realize was in front of them the whole time he was walking the earth. So he uses a passage uh, from David, and, and then he has already quoted Joel. So what he's saying is, hey, this person you've been waiting for, that's who we're talking about. And what just happened up there is what he told us would happen when he left, that he had to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. So actually everything that's happening right now has already been written in the books you guys have been memorizing this whole time. 
So he's using what they know to introduce them to them. So he's talking to Jews about the Old Testament the same way. And and I, I always find it interesting that in the church world, we've dissected the process by which we preach the word and have church services. And this is what I mean by that. We, a, a church that shifts according to the culture, not adopts the culture, but shifts its methods according to the culture, doesn't go into an anti-biblical stance. If anything, I would say it goes into a biblical one. Now, we're not going to get into ecclesiology, ecclesiology and all that dealing with the Antioch church, but I want you to grab a hold of something because I think this is so important for some of you. Because it's not using the same method we're used to, we're assuming it's not the same message we're used to. And God wants to invite us to embrace a a method that would look different to communicate the message that is still very much the same. And I can prove it to you because Paul, when he would preach, if he was preaching to Romans, he would speak with philosophy. But if he was speaking to Jews, he would use analogies. So he would preach to the Jews and use stories and parables because that was the way they communicated. But when he was preaching to the Romans, he would use philosophy and lofty ideas because that was how they were educated. You see, Paul is actually the example of finding out who's sitting in front of you and give them the gospel the way they can hear it. And so that is very much what we see happening right now through Peter, believe it or not. So this knucklehead figured it out too. It's crazy, right? So he's like... Let me just try this. You know, Paul told me about it. I don't know that that's true at all because that's not anywhere in the scripture. Just to be clear, don't throw rocks at me. I'm not a heretic. Okay, so, but Paul talks to the Romans through philosophy, to the Jews through the Old Testament. And we shouldn't be shocked when God uses different means than our preferences or models to speak to people. And that's essentially what I'm getting at is that we would understand that God wants to do things through us. And hear me, uh, and I really want you to grab a hold of this because this is one of the first things that I want you to really take out of Acts chapter 2 is that God has hardly ever since Peter used the preacher as the primary means for salvation. As a matter of fact, from this moment, we're going to maybe hopefully see it in a second. If we don't finish tonight, then we'll just pick up next month. Okay, so that's a beauty. This is coming back around. So, uh, But what we actually see after this message from Peter is, is, God's primary design by which people would hear the gospel goes from one person speaking to a group to individuals within that group, taking that gospel, living it, preaching it, talking about it, and discipling people with it throughout the rest of the generations. And so God's desire for us is not to just hope that because we didn't order a Bud Light at dinner that people are going to be like, that's peculiar, I think I'll have Jesus. Because we didn't cuss out our neighbor when everyone else did, they're not going to assume that God must be inside of you and must be real. Therefore, I think I'll have Christ. Because you didn't lose your temper when you drove past Krispy Kreme and the hot now sign wasn't on. (laughs) Maybe you did. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit a hot button. I don't know what's, you know, like internal struggles, right? Whatever it is that is, that that is, you, we can all fall into this temptation that I'm going to live out the gospel. I'm going to, I, God is in me, and so I'm going to change my behavior. And if people want to know about him, surely they'll ask me why I didn't order this for dinner. Or surely they'll ask me why I have so much joy. Maybe they will. But here's what I'm here to tell you. God has invited us 
to be a mouthpiece of proclamation to lost people about who he is, the reality and the power that he holds, and then to take them on a journey towards him so that they can grow and develop in Jesus whom we serve. And my fear in the deep south is that we've convinced ourselves that church attendance somehow gives us the shoe-in of Christianity. I show up so I'm good enough. And, and, and my invitation to you as we're reading in Acts chapter 2 is first, it will require you to step out of who you are. Listen, if I hear one more Christian tell me, I can't talk to people about Jesus, that's just not who I am. The last time I slipped up, it was my bad, I'm sorry. If you're in the room, I, some of the lights are on, so I, I, some people I can see, some people I can't. Um, they're like, that's just not who I am. I was like, a Christian? They're like, no, like, I'm not a preacher. I was like, man. And I, I shared with them a little bit of this, that this idea that Christianity is not something that we do. Christians, which literally means little Christ, to be Christ-like is what we are. I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians says, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. Which means check your personality at the cross and preach the gospel. So my invitation to you is to, now for some of you, I get that. You're like, um, I think that I just had an anxiety attack just right now. Like just when you said that, I think I felt tremors in my back. My feet gave out actually. I stood up to leave and I fell back down. No, like, but I, I believe in my, in my invitation to you is is. That if TC as a church, if we are going to go anywhere, we're not going to go there on the backbone of my preaching. We're not going to go there on the backbone of a great worship team, which I think we have. We're not going to go there on the backbone of a dope light show. Shout out to Kyle and production Chris back there. See you guys. That doesn't change the world because the world has it too. There's got to be something in us that is so much alive in us that we need it to be alive in someone else. And I'm certainly not suggesting that you need to walk into your work tomorrow wearing sackcloth and Jerusalem cruisers. Um, that's the sandals with the strap on top. Okay, so just so, yeah. Those are the Air Jesus 12s. Okay, so they just, I'm just kidding. Those have the strap on the back. All right, so, but... I'm certainly not suggesting that you need to do all of those things. What I am suggesting is that the reality of who Jesus is, and because of who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that it, we're reading about right now, is the same Holy Spirit that is currently residing inside of you. He's the same Holy Spirit that currently leads you every day. He's the same Holy Spirit that empowers you and strengthens you and encourages you. And when you go through days where you feel like you can't get up, you feel like you can't keep moving, you feel like the pain or the turmoil or the struggle is just too hard, he's the one that lifts you back up out of your clay, out of your mud, out of your pit of despair. He's the one that keeps you moving when you don't feel like your feet can start walking. He's the one that when you go through such significant 
significant pain and trauma and experiences where you feel like your eyes need to shut and never open again, where you feel like your head needs to hit a pillow and never lift it up again. He is the one that will lift your head. The Bible says he is the lifter of our head. I'm here to tell you today that it is him that will with you and through you help walk every person around you that he puts on your heart to lead to the cross where they get to experience the same Jesus that's alive inside of us. They don't need church services. They need the living king whose name is Jesus who can transform every part of their life and bring them to himself. Now, if you need to invite them to church, invite them to church. I think we have dope church services. But that's not the only ticket. That's what I want you to understand. And so the Holy Spirit is showing up and Peter preaches to them. And that's where we pick up in Acts 2, verses 37. He ends in verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So I love that Peter ends with like a jab. Like he gets all the way through like, like man, this is a new dude right here. So, like, just to be clear, like, he quotes the Old Testament. Like, he cross-referenced. I mean, it was great. Like, so, like, he goes out of his way to just, like, I mean, it, it, it had to be the Holy Spirit in Peter because it was like, there's no way this dude can talk like this. And he gets to the very end, and he says this, let all the house of Israel, talking about all the nation, let all, everybody that's here, let it be known for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus. So that God, God sent him. He, that G, he was who he said he was. And then those last words, that you crucified. In other words, like a bunch of morons. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like that was like his jab of being like, because y'all couldn't keep it together, huh? Y'all had to put him on the cross. Anyway, so I found that hilarious. Obviously, you guys didn't laugh as much as I did. I was in my office laughing at this. I closed my door because I was just like, bro, Peter was wilding out. Like, he just, he couldn't just end it, you know. He couldn't be like, is the Lord Jesus Christ? And he's like, they y'all crucified. Anyway, so I just, y'all, this book is crazy. There's stuff in here. Like, y'all got to read it. Okay, so, and this is where we pick up in verse uh, 37. Man, we're doing so good. I see you, Kyle. Shook your head, no. Okay, so uh, now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And I really want you to grab a hold of this. Your story is not more powerful than the Holy Spirit in your story. So, like, I want to make sure that you understand that it's not you that's going to do the saving. It's the spirit of God in you that's going to do the saving. And so as I'm more or less commissioning you right now, you know what I mean? Like, so at the end of this, we're actually all going to take a street corner. So like, we're all just turn or burn. No, I'm just kidding. So like, but, but, but in reality, as I am to a degree commissioning you to say, you know what? I want my life to count for something. And as I'm, as I'm bringing this to you, I want you to have a healthy reminder that if you do all of the things, if you, if you, do it, if, if you use the template, so like you wait in your room, you're in one accord, spirit falls, you set your room on fire, 
just kidding. Uh, you, the Holy, the Holy Spirit comes, and through that you are empowered to go out and preach the gospel, and you do it, and someone goes, I, yes, what do I need to do to be saved? I want you to understand you have been nothing but a mouthpiece for the Holy Spirit to work through you. But how beautiful is it that the God of the universe that used words to put the sun, moon, and stars into space would count us as part of the process by which he would bring hope to all of those that would experience heaven forever. Like he called us to that. I, I, I can't believe sometimes the thinking of the person that I was and thinking about where I've come from and thinking about the decisions that I've made and the places that I've been and thinking about all of those things and then, and then reflecting on that God, you chose, you chose me. And I marvel in that because he didn't have to, but he, but he did. And so, the men that are there, they look to Peter and the others and they say, what must we do? Like, this is, this is obviously real. So to be clear, they live the message, they preach the message, and the Holy Spirit prompted them to respond to the message. And so, what must we do? And I wanted to, I was having a conversation with one of my brothers that is new to the church, and he was asking some questions that I thought were great questions. And I, and I wanted to take a, a pause right here because it actually caused me to reflect on the fact that many of you are new to TC, and we have not walked this journey out before. And I wanted to bring some recognition to it, even in the, in the way that we, uh, that our church is modeled uh, on Sunday mornings. Some of you grew up in a traditional context where the pastor would grit up, he would preach the word to the people, and the people were the church, and then the church would go do the thing. And the, despite the fact that in many churches, not every church, the thing is not being done. So the pastor is doing the preaching, but the work is not getting outside the walls. And <clears throat> so, but I realized that it would be helpful to clarify in a traditional uh, Orthodox church model, the pastor commissions the people, the people go and spread the word. Um, and then people are led to Christ and discipled. And so at TC, we actually, we actually had a desire to kind of change that model uh, a little bit. And so Sunday mornings for us is very much an Acts chapter 2 scenario. Now, if you're on the dream team, this will make a little more sense for you. Even if you're not, it will still make sense. Because what happened in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit did something in someone or in a group of people for that matter. And as he did that in a group of people, it became evident to others around that there's something happening in that group of people. And so they came in and said, uh, are you guys crazy? And they went, a little bit, but we're not drunk. So we have to, we have to clarify on Sundays too. And I'm just kidding. We don't <laughs> they said, a little bit, and, and, and then someone gets up and preaches the message and then clarifies Jesus 
in a way that brings understanding to the circumstances of their life. And then after that proclamation, people go, what do I have to do to have that? And sometimes they're looking at people, and sometimes they're looking at the spirit. But they're going, what do I have to do to have that? And we do exactly what Peter's about to do. And so for us, we don't operate under a traditional church model where every Sunday I'm speaking to our church members. Every Sunday I'm actually preaching the word, but I'm preaching it in a way that everyone goes, what do I got to do to have that? And if you're a believer, you're going, what do I have to do to have more of that? And if you're an unbeliever, you're going, what do I got to do to have any of that? But the beauty is everyone walks out of the room prayerfully. People keep coming back, so that's a good sign. Walking out of the room going, I need that. And so to help with some of you who have been maybe working through tension over how this is different than it's been in other places, I wanted to give you that so you had an understanding of how it works at TC. Uh, We're not better than everyone else, just just the way we work. Um, And we use nights like tonight to go verse by verse through Acts chapter 2, like a lunatic. Okay, so let's go back to it. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, Now, when they heard this, they said, what shall we do? And we pick up at verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so he promises that, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls himself, and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Like, we hadn't got there yet, y'all. Like, you know what I mean? But I'm waiting. You know, let let 3,000 people show up. Be like, Dream Team, can y'all sit outside? Just outside. And like, no, no, not the lobby, outside. Like, just make room. Okay, so. But so here at TC, uh, we give them Jesus, and then numbers are added. So that's, that's the model we're using. I want to I just be, kind of create some clarification for you one more. Numbers are added. Maybe 3,000 one day will be added in one day. Um, we're going to need more kid space, though. Lydia, if you want to knock a wall down and all those houses back there, we're just going to need all that space. <coughs> Acts 2, 38 through 41 that we just read. Uh, Peter is declaring to them that they need to repent and be baptized. We dealt with repentance last first Wednesday, um, so we're not going to dive into that again. You can check out the podcast for all 63 minutes of that. So, um, and then Acts 2, 42 through 47 is where I want to pick up and spend just the next couple minutes. So let's go there, Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those whom were being saved. 
And that part, that last part that we just read, that is the outward manifestation of the inward work of the Holy Spirit. And so I was, we were joking earlier about like people that talk in tongues but can't say anything good in English. But I genuinely think that we deal with that. Like saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Anybody, anybody ever heard that before? What if the Holy Ghost forces you to love your neighbor that doesn't look like you? Like, what if the Holy Spirit demands that you love your neighbor with a different political agenda than yours? What if the Holy Spirit prompts you to hug the person that doesn't smell right or dress with the right clothes or do the things that you would call Christian? What if they don't act right? What, what if the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding and calling and asking of us that we would make much of God to the people that are around us regardless of whatever preferences they match in our life? Because nowhere in there did it say, now they were gathered together and they all voted for the same candidate and then um, they all got behind the same movements and then they all used the same hashtag. That's missing out of verse 49. Because the other part of TC with our model is that we are just all about people. And as I commission you, I am not commissioning you to the people that think like you, talk like you, look like you. I'm commissioning you that you, along with myself, would make it our life's mission that all the things that count for nothing would count for nothing. And all the people that count for everything would count for everything. I'm not telling you to quit your job, okay? So don't show up tomorrow like, hey, Pastor Brad, I quit my job. So, you know, like I'm here. You know, just tell me, tell me who to love. You, know? <laughs> you need to go love your boss, all right, and get your job back, okay? So, uh, so I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting you need to quit your job, you need to drop out of college, any of those things. So like, don't get crazy on me, all right, and start running wild with my words, all right? What I'm telling you is everywhere God has you are people that need to know what God has done in you so that he can start working through them to bring them to where he is. Okay, so, so that is what we're looking at here. And, and it forces us to ask necessary questions about the way we do life as I wrap up. It forces us to ask necessary questions about how we've given ourselves to this work about how we may put parameters on the degree in which we sacrifice ourselves for the sake of the kingdom. I ch- the very first class, I'm not, I, sh- I shouldn't even tell you this. Some of you aren't going to join pipeline just because I said this. Uh, my very first class of the leadership pipeline, here's the question that I ask of them. If God tells you to move to Africa today, are you going? Like, drop everything, sell the house, move to Africa, live in a tent, preach the gospel to people you don't speak their same language. Are you going? And all of them look at me very similar to the way you're looking at me right now. Like, uh, no, no, I'm not actually, (laughs) you know, 
Now, I, 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 I joke. I'm like, God, I'm going to need you to part the clouds, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to need an audible voice with it written in the sand. And then I'm still throwing some cloth down. I'm going to need dew on it today and not on it tomorrow. Okay, so. But here's my, here's my question for you. And this is not something you need to answer tonight. I think it's something you need to answer every day. Have I built boundaries around the way in which I have submitted myself to this king? Because many of us see Jesus as savior, but we've refused to acknowledge him as a king. He's not a savior that dabbles into your life to give you an eternity. He's a king to be served for the rest of our lives, to take all that we can to eternity. And so have you built borders around the areas of your life that you would not give to him? And would you love him even if he crashed those borders down? Is God good when everything you wanted falls apart? Is God still good when everything that you've looked to him for doesn't go the way that you thought it would? Is he still God when your world doesn't go your way? Because I believe as Christians, we have mastered the art of trying to play smoke and mirrors with God. God, I've given you everything. And meanwhile, we're hiding these parts of our lives, our children, our career, our degree, behind a mirror, thinking that he doesn't know what's back there. And God is saying, I want that too. And I may very well give it back to you, but I want to know that you've given it to me. You may very well get to keep that career. You may very well get to keep that degree. You may very well get to keep that thing that you're working for. I'm not suggesting you have to lose it. What I'm suggesting is you do have to give it and let God give it back to you. And for some of us, that's very simply saying, you know what, God, I'm all in. You can have it all. Whatever you call me to, that's where I'm going. And here's the beauty behind it. It will prompt us all to live a life more on fire. Not maybe with the tongues that we read in Acts chapter 2. Maybe for some of you it will. We're not getting into that talk tonight. Not maybe with the tongues of fire, but with a life of fire that burns in a way that everyone around you wants to know about the Jesus that's inside of you. Man, what our city would be our church would grab a hold of this reality that this life is not my own but it's to be surrendered to a king given to him so that he would make much of me so that he would be much in me and that's the God that we serve let's pray tonight